Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions, and we begin a brand new week. Whether it will be lockdown continued, whether we will go to GCQ, we don't know. But Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for every day has enough trouble of its own. Sometimes we just have to learn to live in the now and enjoy the now. So rather than worry about things that we cannot change, let's just enjoy the life that God has given us right now. Amen? Rather than getting frustrated and angry and bitter and complaining, let's just enjoy. Let's look forward to this week. It's going to be a good week in Jesus' name, full of miracles, full of provision, and more than anything else, full of his presence in our lives. Let's open up our hearts now. We've got one of the children to recite for us Psalms 91. Psalms 91, 1-16 Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is refuge and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midnight. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guide you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread the, the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. If, if he calls on me, I will answer him. I will... Be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. As we move into this week, as I shared earlier, we don't know what's going to be happening. But we know that God is with us. And we know that he causes all things to work together for our good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Brothers and sisters, I know some of you are looking at this week and go, how much longer can we continue? Folks, God's mercy will never run out for you. God's grace will never run out for you. God will strengthen you. God will help you. God will lift you. God will lift your head and encourage you. God is with you. So sometimes, rather than looking at all of the problems, can I encourage you just to look at God? Again, sometimes we spend so much time looking at our troubles and we can't change them, okay? I mean, please. I don't in any way say that to mock anyone because we all have troubles. But we can't change those things. But we can choose to get a face full of Jesus. Remember my illustration of a, a face full of pie? How Brother Santa Anna's daughter, Princess, would just smash a pie in his face and give him a face full of pie? Well, sometimes with everything going on around, you just need to get a face full of Jesus. Remember the old song, my eyes are full of Jesus. Sometimes you just need to sing that song. Fill your heart with Jesus. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We are so different than the people of this world because we are with God and we are with hope in this world. And we have your precious promises and your covenants. Lord, we thank you that we are not alone 
We don't walk alone. We don't stand alone. We don't fight alone. We don't survive alone. You are with us. You have promised that you'd never leave us. You'd never forsake us. Lord, we come this morning to say thank you for that. Father, I lift to you some of my brothers and sisters this morning that are very discouraged. Last week was a rough week. Last week they heard a lot of bad news. Lord, be the lifter of their heads today. Father, many are getting the reports that they're COVID positive from the rapid tests and they're being quarantined and all kinds of stuff going on. Father, let there just not be a single symptom. <laughs> let them sit there and smile at the whole thing. Father, let your health and let your strength flow into their bodies. Father, for our brothers and sisters that are in the hospital, Lord, just reach down into those hospital rooms right now. Jesus, just like you sent your word and you healed that child, send your word into every one of those hospital rooms this morning and bring healing in Jesus' name. Lord, they're all alone. Fill those hospital rooms with your presence. Lord, for some of them, let them have their first vision they've ever had of you. Let them see you walk into that hospital room. Smile, look into their eyes and lay your hand upon their body and bring healing and bring strength. Oh, Lord, be the lifter of their heads today. Bring healing to the bodies of your people. Let fear be broken, Lord. You have not given us the spirit of fear, but you've given us the spirit of sonship by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Lord, let them understand how important they are to you, that you have adopted them as your sons. You've made them joint heirs with Jesus. Make your love, make their belongingness to you so real within their lives, Father, so real in their lives that they don't question the future. And they don't worry about the future because they know they're walking with you. Father, I pray for every small business that's just working to make it today. Lord, let every food business be sold out today. Let everything our members are selling online, let them have lots of customers today. Let the favor of God and the favor of man rest upon them. For every one of our people, Lord, that have lost their jobs in this situation, Lord, give them new opportunities and better opportunities, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, for those that have lost their jobs, Father, encourage them and lift them. Let them see you work a miracle. Let them see a miracle. Let them see an open door set before them. Let all that bitterness, let all that anger leave their hearts, Lord, and let them focus on your provision and not the past hurt. I thank you for it, Father. Lord, in Jesus' name, I lift to you all the young people today. They're concerned about their schools. They're concerned about their futures. It's almost like a throwaway year. But Lord, don't let it be a throwaway year. Let this be a year when lives are reexamined. Let this be a year not when the love of most grow cold. But let this be a year, Lord, where young people are set on fire to change a nation. I thank you for it, Father. Speak into the hearts of the young people, Lord. Jesus, if you tarry, this is the future. This is the next generation. Don't let their hearts change in this time, Father. Oh, in Jesus' name. Don't let their hearts grow cold in this time, Lord. Let your presence draw so near to every one of the young people. Let your presence be so real, Lord, that they just walk around feeling like you're in the room with them. Let their hearts burn within them, Father, as they read the word. 
And oh, let your presence be so strong as they lift their hearts in prayer and worship. Father, don't let the hearts of this next generation of young people grow cold. Let this be a season on fire. Let this be a season on fire. Let something supernatural begin to happen, Lord, in the hearts of every one of the young people. Supernatural, Lord. A fire beginning to be kindled. A fire burning within them, Lord. A fire to change a nation. A fire to serve you. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25. Paul said, Now, concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Now, listen to Paul's honesty and integrity here. He says, I have no command from the Lord. He said, I'm just going to be straight up with you. He said, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one whom by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. So Paul said, he said, I'm trustworthy. I can be trusted. He said, my judgment can be trusted, but he's honest. Now, sometimes as a pastor, you have to look at people and go, you know what? I don't have any scriptures to tell you on that. I I don't have any black and white I can point to on that. But let me give you my judgment. And usually when I tell you things like that, remember I say, now listen, you can leave this in the trash can on the way out the door, okay? Because this is just what I think. But sometimes you have to realize that as pastors, there's not every situation in life that we have a scripture and verse on. There's not every situation that we can say, okay, this is exactly what God wants. Paul said, I don't have a command from the Lord on this. He said, but let me give you my opinion. Let me give you my judgment. I think in view of the present distress, now here's the key. This is the key to understanding everything that comes after. In view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as it is. Now, what is this present distress? Well, This present distress is a growing persecution. From Rome. Now, the book of 1 Corinthians is written in around 55 to 57 AD. It's during Paul's extended stay in um, Ephesus. Uh, You're having a growing problem in Jerusalem. All right, I mean, Jerusalem is beginning to have some huge, huge persecution situations. All of Israel, there's a revolt brewing. And sometime in around, oh, 65, 66 uh, AD, we begin a huge Jewish revolt. Okay, a huge Jewish revolt. Now, then we have 70 AD the leveling of Jerusalem. The temple is completely destroyed. Jerusalem is burnt. Jerusalem is flattened. I mean, it's just, it's just flattened. The city is completely destroyed. Not one stone left upon another. So this is, this is the persecution that is now growing. So Paul said, in view of this growing persecution, he said, things are getting hard. And remember, Jews and Christians they pretty much suffered the persecution together from Rome. Okay, this is, this is pretty much a together thing, all right? He said, now, in light of this horrible persecution that's happening, he said, are you bound to a wife? Don't abandon her. Don't seek to be free. So this is if you're married. He said, are you free from a wife? Here's unmarried. Do not seek a wife. He said, now, listen, with, with this persecution going on right now, this is just going to be an incredibly difficult time. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. All right, now that's for everybody. 
pastors can be married. Cephas, Paul, Paul said Cephas was married. He said, don't I have the right to take a believing wife like, like Peter does, like Cephas does? He said, it's, it's not a sin to get married. And he said, if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you from that. He said, listen, getting married, having babies in a season of persecution is going to be difficult. Now, you're talking about a man who has been through persecution from both sides. He has led persecution. He has put husbands and wives. He's seen how you can turn, you know, you can turn a man by taking his wife. He said, you know, I've, I've led persecution and I've been through persecution. He said, please, this is, he said, you're, you're going to have worldly troubles. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none. Let those who mourn as though they are not mourning. Let those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. Let those who buy as though they had no goods. So in other words, Paul says, focus. He said, in, in this short season that we have, this needs to be a focused season. He said, whether we're talking about marriage, whether we're talking about grief, whether we're talking about happiness because of provision, whether we're talking about buying and selling in business, he said, Right now, you need to get focused on the things of God. This, this is a rough season. And you know, to be blunt, in the season we're in right now, I would tell you the same thing. We, we need to get focused. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. He said, hey, you got a bunch of business. He said, for or because. Every time you see for, you can say because. This shows purpose. The present form of this world is passing away. He said, what, what you see around right now isn't going to be here forever. He said, I want you to be free from anxieties. <laughs> now, Paul said, you just have to understand, if you get married, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. The married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. How do I get a roof over my wife's head? How do I make sure that there's food for the kids, pay the tuition fees and everything else? But he said, if you're not married, you know what? There's no worries right now. In this season of persecution, there's less worries if you don't get married. You're not trying to take care of a family also. So again, I told you at the beginning, the whole key to this is this present crisis. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. You're always concerned about, you know, how do I make sure that he's got dinner? How do I make sure that the house is good? He said, you're, you're going to have divided interest. He said, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay restraint upon you. Now, Paul said, here is key to pastor's judgment. He said, I'm saying this for your benefit, but not to lay a restraint upon you. When, when I share something with you as a pastor that is not flowing from Scripture, there could be no restraint laid upon you. Okay, it's just my opinion. He said, I think my opinion is trustworthy, but he said, it's just my opinion. I'm trying to say this for your benefit, but not to lay a restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided attention to the Lord. Now, Paul said, listen, if you go get married right now in this growing persecution, because Paul understood this is, this is growing. Jesus has got some prophecies that are about to be fulfilled. 
And when you go back and you study Matthew, there are prophecies where not one stone will be left upon another. There are prophecies that are about to be fulfilled. And Paul understood the spiritual significance of his time. He said, listen, this is going to be difficult. These days ahead are going to be really, really hard. And I want to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he's not behaving properly toward his patrols, and if his passions are strong and and it and it as to be, let him do as he wishes. Let him marry. It is no sin. Hey, guys, it's better to go ahead and get married than to put your hands where they don't belong and to do things that you shouldn't be doing with your girlfriend. He said, hey, better to get married. Now, now parents, I would say that to you. Sometimes you make these young people stay unmarried for so long. You extend their courtship because the family says, no, now you've graduated college. We want you to work for the next 10 years and put your all of your brothers and sisters and cousins and nephews and nieces through college. And then after everybody graduates college, then you can get married maybe in about 10 years. Now, you know what, parents, that's not natural. You're, you're putting something on some of the young people that they cannot bear. And then we're going to have secret marriages, and then we're going to have hands where they don't belong, and these kids are going to live in condemnation and guilt. You know, I'm not saying let them get married as soon as they graduate, but I am saying let's not make the courtship so long that, you know, problems are going to happen. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. He said, you know, you can keep your girlfriend as your girlfriend, but you got to keep yourself control. So firmly establish in his heart, no necessity, desires under control, determined in his heart. He said, okay, you'll do well. But again, you got to keep those desires under control too. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Now, this is Paul's judgment. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Now again, only a believer. Young people, you do not court, nor do you accept courtship proposals from unbeliever. Only in the Lord. Okay? So a woman can get remarried, but the same rules apply only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. He said, in my judgment. Now, Paul said, in my judgment, you'll be happier to be single. If, if you are a woman who has been married, you've had your children, and your husband dies, he said, you know, most scholars believe that Paul was married and his wife had left him. He said, I think she'll be happier if she remains as she is. He said, this is my judgment. But again, remember, the key to a pastor's judgment is He's trying to say this for our benefit, but not to lay any restraint upon you, verse 35. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
As we turn our attention to our Old Testament passage today, we pick up in Job chapter 23. Now remember, God has said Job is blameless in all his ways. God has complimented Job. God has held Job up as an example. The devil has attacked him. And then the devil inspires these friends, quote-unquote friends. With friends like this, you don't need demons. To come by and speak very well of God, but really just just accuse and just put down and just condemn Job. Now Job answers again in verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Today also my complaint is bitter. Now today also. So this is not the first time. And we've already talked about Job's bitter words. He's, he's allowed the hurt. You take hurt. You take grief. His children have died. You take hurt. You take grief. You take loss, you take condemnation, and you mix all that up, and you get a bitter heart, if you're not careful. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, referring to God, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. We're going to see later, God says, okay, Job, stand up and speak. You're going to see later where God says, okay, Job, you, you, you wanted to come before me and speak. Present your arguments. And Job just covers his mouth. 
I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There, an upright man could argue with him, and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. So he said, listen, I have done nothing wrong. He said, you guys, all you do is tell me what an evil person I is. He said, I've done nothing wrong. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backwards, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him, and he turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But he knows the way I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. Again, he's saying, I've done nothing wrong. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured his words, the words of his mouth, more than my portion of food. He said, listen, I've done nothing wrong. But he is unchangeable. And who can turn him back? What he desires, he does. For he will compete, complete what he appoints for me. And many such things are in his mind. Now, here's an interesting thought. He will complete what he appoints for me. <laughs> he never leaves things halfway. Now, get a hold of this for a minute, because here's the truth. We may not understand what's going on in our lives right now, but it's not over until God's done. It's not over until God... The devil's work, what the devil is doing, is not the end of the story. It's not over until God's done. Therefore, I am terrified at his presence when I consider I am in dread of him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Why? Because he thinks God is doing this. And God was not doing this. Yet I'm not silenced because of the darkness, nor because of the thick darkness that covers my face. He said, now listen, I've done nothing wrong. I'll give you a minute to get a picture of that. I forgot to turn it on. Sorry. He said, I've done nothing wrong. But he's still afraid of God. Now, folks, you have to understand when people come in every day of your life, they're just condemning you and putting you down. Before long, you really think that God is doing something. Chapter 24, verse 1. Why are not times of judgment kept by the Almighty? Why do those who know him never see his days? Some move landmarks. They seize flocks and pasture them. They drive away the donkey of the fatherless, and they take the widow's ox for a pledge. They thrust the poor off the road. The poor of the earth all hide themselves. Behold, like wild donkeys in the desert, the poor go out to their toil seeking game. The wasteland yields food for their children. They gather their fodder in the field, and they glean the vineyard of the wicked man. They lie awake all night naked, without clothing, and have no covering in the cold. They are wet with the rain of the mountains and cling to the rock for lack of shelter. There are those who snatch the fatherless child from the breast, and they take a pledge against the poor. They go about naked, without clothing, hungry. They carry sheaves. Among the olive rows of the wicked, they make oil. They tread the winepress. They th suffer thirst. For out of the city the dying groan, and the soul of the wounded cries for help. Yet God charges no one with wrong. Not true. There are those who rebel against the light, who are not acquainted with its ways, who do not stay in its paths. 
Now those who rebel against the light. Now there's a great doctrine all the way through the scripture. The murder arises before its light, that he may kill the poor and the needy, and in the night he is like a thief. The eye of the adulterer also waits for twilight, saying, No one will see me, and he veils his face. In the dark they dig through houses, by day they shut themselves up. They do not know the light. For in deep darkness is morning to all of them, and they are friends with the terrors of deep darkness. Now notice, deep darkness is morning to all of them. These are people of the night. And the New Testament speaks a lot of people like this. You say, swift are they on the face of the waters. Their portion is cursed on the land. No treader turns toward their vineyards. Drought and heat snatch away the snow waters, so to shield those who have sinned. The womb forgets them, the worm finds them sweet, and they're no longer remembered, so wickedness is broken like a tree. They wrong the barren childless woman and do no good to the widow. Yet God prolongs the life of the mighty by his power, and they rise up when they despair of life. He gives them security, and they are supported. Their eyes are upon all their ways. They are exalted a little while, then they are gone. They are brought low and gathered up like all the others. They are cut off like the heads of grain. If it is not so, who will prove me a liar and show that there is nothing in what I say? Chapter 25, verse 1. Now one of them begins to speak. Then Bildad, the Shuhite, answered, Dominion and fear are with God. He makes peace in his high heaven. Is there any number to his armies? Upon whom does his light not arise? How then can a man be right before God? How can he who is born of woman be pure? Behold, even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes. How much less man who is a maggot, the son of man who is a worm? <laughs> there was an old hymn years ago, What a Worm Am I? And I remember as a baby Christian, I didn't, I didn't sing that, that stanza. I wouldn't sing that. I'm not a worm. I'm a child of God. This, this, this is not the Holy Spirit speaking. This is Bildad the Shuhite. And listen to all his talk. Can a man be right before God? Yes. Yes, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. How can man who is born of woman be pure? By faith. By faith. Salvation by faith. Man who is a maggot, the son of man who is a worm. Now, listen, folks, when people are full of condemnation, they have a very poor opinion of humanity. <laughs> Chapter 26, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, How you have helped him who has no power. How you have saved the arm that has no strength. How you have counseled him who has no wisdom and plentifully declared sound knowledge. With whose help have you uttered words, and whose breath has come out from you? The dead tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Sheol is naked before God, and Abaddon has no covering. He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the full moon and spreads over it his cloud. He has inscribed a circle in the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power he stilled the sea, by his understanding he shattered Rahab. 
By his wind the heavens are made fair, and his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. How small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Now, Job does have a revelation of God. He does understand the sovereign power of God. He just needed to understand the goodness of God. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.